Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hey, it's Ray and Brad here at The Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com, The Advertising Show. A copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Our guest today is a guest from uh, 2010, another encore show for you. It's Rob Scalia. Rob is the CEO of the Brand Union North America. Entertaining interview. We hope you enjoy it because it's starting right now here at the advertising show. We told you about Rob Scalia. And uh, right now we get a chance uh, to meet him. Uh, Rob is in New York this weekend. And uh, Rob... Hey, thanks for being here at the Advertising Show. We appreciate you dropping by. My pleasure. Yeah, and you know, according to your bio, you know this, but our audience doesn't. You graduated from MIT with a molecular biology background. I'm sure having a, a science background obviously came in handy with your healthcare and Farmco clients. But uh, I'm curious, Rob, what was the transition like from MIT to Madison Avenue? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's uh, a possibility it was not of doing that. a straight line. I will tell you that right away. You had to go to Peoria first. That's right. Well, you know, I, I will just pick up on something else, something you said before I even answer the question, um, which is on the one hand, I, I think certainly a degree in science and engineering is, was really helpful for a number of industries that are related. Um, it also there was a great background for lots of different industries just to um, have an analytical bent and be able to deal with complexity because lots of industries these days are very complex. And so I, I've always found that it's been helpful to me. Um, my my first job out of university uh, was actually for a very small company that was involved in it was a computer graphics and uh, molecular modeling company. Um, so having the engineering background was a, and uh, science background was a very helpful thing. Um, but it, we were so small and we grew into a lot of needs for marketing. And I just happened to be there and more than willing to pick up the slack. And so it was great training for me um, and really demonstrated the power of communications. Uh, in a company's success. So I, I take it you don't miss the, uh, I don't know, however you would want to characterize the world of MIT and science and all that stuff and the ex- versus the excitement of Madison Avenue? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I will say um, I have been really enjoying my my uh, my career and the time on Madison Avenue, as you say. I still do remain involved in a number of technology initiatives, serve, serve on boards of companies, and try to keep my hand on the little science and engineering. It happens to be a very exciting field as well. And the folks there say you still wear a white lab coat to work every day. <laughs> Rob, you've got to drop that. Let go of the past, Rob. Yeah, no, I, I'm, it's been a hard process, but I'm getting there. Good for you. Well, one of your clients, the House of Barbie, recently opened in Shanghai, and as we've seen, there are more and more companies today trying to create more engaging consumer experiences with their brand. Uh, Nike and the Apple Store store are two that happen to come to mind for me. And the idea is all about creating a new retail concept to extend one's brand. Tell us, uh, Rob, a little bit about the House of Barbie and what your firm's role was and what their goals were, et cetera. Great. Well, it was a major initiative for us. It's a flagship store um, in Shanghai. And um, as you say, really, the charge was to um, look at the totality of the experience with the brand, uh, with the product itself, 
um, and really expand people's views um, of uh, what the brand can represent. So as it turns out, I don't remember the exact percentage, but I think it's on the order of only 20% of the store is actually devoted to the doll uh, and related uh, products. Um, there are restaurants, there are be- food and beverages, there are fashion uh, departments. It's, it's a much more, it is a brand extension uh, that, that has been very successful for them. Obviously, the flagship, concept, flagship store concept itself um, is very important for the aura or halo that it creates around the brand for those people just buying the traditional products as well. Do you see this as a trend? I mean, uh, you know, many, not so many years ago, I guess. I don't really remember when, but back uh, at least 10 years ago, I remember going to San, uh, San Francisco into the Nike Experience Store. And, of course, uh, more recently, Ray mentioned a few shows ago about Apple finally getting uh, over to London to open one of their uh, Apple stores that you have there in Manhattan. Is this something that we're going to see more and more of, or is this maybe just a flash in the pan, do you think? I think you're going to see more and more of it. I think you're going to see more and more of it from brands um, that have strong uh, associations uh, and brand equity already associated with them. And I think it's a great platform because, A, uh, for those people who experience the store, it obviously propagates the brand and and the desire to purchase, um, but the public relations around it, um, the almost out-of-home advertising-like concept. Anybody who's driving by the Apple Store in New York, it, you, those, those stores are so well-designed that from the moment you see them to, uh, you know, certainly shopping in them, um, it, it really owns uh, a brand experience for you. You know, is this all about uh, the Internet? I mean, I, I'm thinking that if the Internet didn't exist, uh, maybe this idea of wanting to reconnect with today's consumer wouldn't have been as... Uh, I don't know, as prominent as it has become. Is there a concern on uh, corporate America's part that they need to get back to connecting with their consumer? I mean, you can buy an iPod online. You can buy Nike product online. You can buy most product online with ever, without ever even seeing it, you know, three-dimensionally in person. So is that what, what role has the Internet had on this concept? This yeah, I, I think they are definitely interrelated. Um, I, one of the things that, that having been in the business for a while now that you see is that a lot of times marketers will try to segment their distribution to a specific part of their target audience uh, makeup. So, you know, it's as simple as things like in the banking industry where, People, banks in the early days would think that private bankers were, were for wealthy people, and in the early days, ATMs were for less affluent people. Well, of course, we all use ATMs. We, you know, we all use lots of different channels nowadays to reach out and find the products that we're looking for. So I think that the interesting piece is not only that all of these channels exist, but that they're all interrelated, and that you need the continuity across the brand experience regardless of what channel you're using. You know, I agree with it. It's, it's interesting that you say that. I, I often say uh, the home office is a similar situation. 20 years ago, if you had a home office, <laughs> you had one because you that's all you had and you really wanted a real office. And now today, if you don't have a home office, you're that would be kind described, of That would be described as being in between gigs, basically, home office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit. I know this is a, a key uh, concept there at Brand Union where you work, uh, the balance of art and science. Describe the need to balance art and science in brand development, Rob, and also 
what do you look for and, and how do you know when you've struck that perfect balance between art and science? Yeah, those are great questions. Well, first of all, the the notion of balancing art and science, I think, has certainly been around for a while, and I think people in the industry have, have talked about it, but I think it keeps on taking on more and more meaning. Um, so certainly the science piece is understanding our clients' businesses under at a very analytical level, um, understanding the intricacies of it, understanding the purchase cycle that people go through, um, and what the competition is doing, all, all the sort of normal things you would look at as it relates to the marketplace, the competition, the consumer, the, the client. Um, the art piece, of course, is the creative expression of whatever positioning you, you have chosen to develop. Um, but I will say that and, and so the more scientific you are, the more, quote, relevant, hopefully, the work is. And the more art-based or creative you are, the more intriguing and memorable the work is. Um, the problem is, is that lots of times you will, uh, by default, skew in one direction more than the other. And the magic or the synergy that you were talking about and how you know you've gotten it right is when you can actually fuse those things to a uh, a greater level than just one of those inputs would provide. On the advertising show, it's Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, with our very special guest out of New York. Rob Scalia is Chief Executive Officer of the Brand Union, North America, and uh, thebrandunion.com is their website. On the advertising show, we'll continue the conversation here uh, with Ray and Brad, and of course with Rob as well. Advertising show being powered by Shipple.com. It's S C H I P U L. And the platform is Tendency, an incredible, power, powerful marketing tool. Uh, so check it out here at uh, Shipple.com. With Ray and Brad, back in just a minute with more on The Advertising Show. Rob Scalia, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth here at the advertising show. Rob is uh, chief executive officer of the Brand Union North America. It says uh, in your in your bio as well that you studied at the Pasteur Institute in Paris. That's pretty cool. Uh, was that uh, wine studies or just regular studies? It was. <laughs> uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess it was. It was uh, traditional studies. Okay, and you drank your milk and felt really good there. Exactly. Uh, Rob, welcome back to the show. Good to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Ray, the brandunion.com is a great website. Ray and I were talking about that before you came on today. Uh, some great uh, case studies and some examples of some work that you guys have been doing. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your Absolute Vodka product uh, uh, or campaign, I should say, on a local level that you did uh, for a a Brooklyn, Brooklyn angle to that. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the role of packaging design for a moment, Rob. When it comes to engaging consumers at the point of sale, there sits your product alongside with all of your major competitors within your category. I'm curious, from a package design standpoint, what can one do that gives their product an edge over their competitors as they sit side by side right there on the shelf? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a great question. Certainly, um, a lot of times in a lot of categories, um, first of all, the packaging all looks the same. So simply having something that is unique or different alone can make a difference. 
Um, but I think the bigger opportunity is to make sure that the packaging embodies and communicates the brand that you've been spending all those other dollars on uh, through other communications. So to, to the extent that you can visually cue through language cue, through shape of product or box or whatever, um, support the brand and the brand equities, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's go back to uh, uh, the absolute, uh, absolute Brooklyn uh, idea there that you guys, uh, I guess that probably came from, from your firm or maybe it came from your client. I'll give you a chance to explain it in a second. But there's a very interesting video posted on YouTube about this project which shows Spike Lee, which played an important role in, in uh, developing the packaging, I guess, of the yeah. absolute Brooklyn uh, style of uh, brand packaging. Talk a little bit about the process and the importance of uh, localization when it came to a product, global product for that matter, like uh, Absolute, where the idea came from, and describe uh, why Brooklyn. Yep. Well, um, again, great question. I think what you're seeing certainly is uh, more and more, and Absolute was certainly a pioneer in this, but as we look across different industries, you're seeing much more, to your point, localization, customization of products. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Internet earlier and the technologies um, and, and the impact they have on marketing. Um, we are in sort of the uh, you know, nth degree uh, wave of consumer empowerment, where consumers are not only weighing in now on what they want their products to look like, but they are, in, a lot, in fact, in a lot of ways designing their products. Um, whether that's a sneaker, whether it's a shirt, uh, whatever. And as I say, Absolute was a real pioneer in localization, uh, certainly by city, but also by holiday, you know, through holidays, through flavors and fruit flavors, etc. Um, has done some very, very good work in extending the product and creating more and more niche products. And I think that that is. Uh, certainly influenced by and, and driven by technology in a lot of ways. Um, in the, that particular, ca- in the case of Absolute Brooklyn, um, it really was through a collaboration with Spike Lee. Um, I think the client had been has been looking for um, opportunities for quote limited edition products. Um, had struck a collaboration with Spike Lee, and we were asked to be involved uh, for the package design to sort of bring all of the pieces together. Um, and if you are familiar with the package, you can see we've we've actually incorporated uh, a visual image of the stoop from the brownstone that Spike Lee grew up in, uh, which was a fantastic visual device for communicating the localization piece that you were talking about. And, and I've seen uh, since then. I, I think I came across something that showed uh, Boston has a has a version of uh, Absolute Vodka. Did this or- original idea come from the client seeking you guys, or was that did that come from you recommending this localization idea? Yeah, do you know um, every every? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, every client is different. I will tell you um, in, in terms of. Um, the, the best work and the best ideas really, not only for the communication, but to the question you're asking for new product development itself, the best ideas come from the clients with whom we have the strongest partnerships and collaboration. And, and I'll tell you, sometimes it's just very hard to say that it was either the agency's idea or the client's idea. Um, yeah. we, we get very heavily involved. Part of, of what we try to do by bringing a more strategic bent um, to 
the communications is getting involved earlier and earlier in product design, in marketing planning, uh, in the selection of distribution channels, in identifying new target audiences. Um, so it's very, it's hard sometimes to say, well, this came as a specific directive. Um, that we were just fulfilling a need or to go in and try to claim 100% ownership. Um, a lot of times it comes out of, just as I say, lots of brainstorming and uh, good dialogue with the client. I guess uh, the question would uh, beg itself to say, uh, what is your favorite way to enjoy absolute vodka at this particular point, Rob? <laughs> On the rocks with a twist. That was the right answer. Very good. Thank you. Go ahead, Brad. Well, I was going to say, Ray and my philosophy is the same, and that is if the client is in the office, uh, we recommend that everybody uh, make sure and mention that it was the client's idea, and then if we're pitching new business, we make sure and let them know that it was our idea. So it really depends on who's around at don't, the time. Don't forget the award ceremonies either, okay? I think we, yeah, I that's, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, you know, I want to. Uh, you mentioned about uh, seeking design assistance from a cons- from your consumer. In a lot of cases, brands are so concerned about managing the, the touch points of their consumer and that all throughout the process that they maintain a particular way in which the brand is represented. Yet, on the other hand, it may see- seem counterintuitive to, to many that you open up the potential of having your product designed or influenced by the very consumer that you're trying to maintain brand touch points with? Is there some conflict there in that thought process? It is a very, very good point. And certainly we're now into second and third generations of companies wrestling with this. But you can think back to earlier examples when when clients were first starting to explore the idea Clients were petrified, and rightly so, um, that they were relinquishing the control of their brand to their clients, uh, to their customers. The, the real issue, though, uh, what I always say is you, you, can, you can certainly proactively manage your brand, and that's what we're all in business for, but ultimately you are judged and measured, and your brand is evaluated and defined by what your constituent groups think. And I think what you found was, as you say, in the early days, um, it, was a, it was a tough go, and I think there were a lot of, of sort of clunky and not well-executed attempts at it. Nowadays, though, if you do not, um, if you are not in some way engaging with your clients and making and allowing them to feel that they are contributing, you come across as uh, inaccessible, aloof, and not a company or a brand that people want to deal with. So I, I don't think you really get to pick and choose. You simply have to figure out what the right way to manage it is for you and your products. Makes a lot of sense. The Brand Union North America is part of WPP, and uh, Robert Scalia is uh, CEO of the Brand Union here at the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, more to come here in just a moment. You uh, stay right there. Go ahead. Welcome back on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Rob Scalia is our guest. Rob is CEO of the Brand Union North America. That is the Brand Union. Dot com, the website, if you'd like to find out more. And Rob, you know, as far as a, a marketer or even an advertiser, a, a business owner, sitting here in 2010 and seeing so many things happen in front of our eyes as it relates to marketing, marketing options, what to do, what not to do. Uh, most uh, advertising folks have uh, discovered the Internet and they've discovered Twitter and Facebook and such. But if you're sitting here in 2010, what should you be doing to... Uh, to um, uh, think about uh, becoming a major player uh, here in the next uh, few years, five years or so. Huh. 
Um, I guess what I can tell you is that I think uh, right now we, we've obviously lived through a pretty difficult economic period. We're still in it. Um, most times, if you look at historically what happens, is that those periods end up by spawning great innovation and thinking outside of the box. And I think whether it's about new products, it's about new target audiences, it's about new distribution, and certainly about communications, it is really about uh, blowing up all the old assumptions, starting from scratch, and being, being willing to take risks. But isn't that sometimes hard from a client side? In other words, they're so focused on tradition and the things that had worked in the past, they're afraid to reach out there and try something new. Yeah, um, I think that is true. I think uh, we certainly feel uh, lucky in that we have a lot of clients that um, certainly, I think, have been more willing to take risks, which has been terrific for us. Um, I also think, though, on the one hand, as you say, it can feel risky, uh, but I think as the economic times have gotten worse and worse, um, companies do start to realize that um, the risk is probably worth it at a certain point. Makes sense. Yeah, we've been fortunate to talk with uh, people like yourself and others from uh, Nike and Starbucks and other innovative companies. And I remember, Ray, uh, you and I posing a similar type question to an executive with uh, Nike, as I recall. And, and the, his answer was, I think it's risky not to take risk, mm -hmm. especially in today's uh, environment. Makes you know, you, you get left in the, in the dust and while your competitors are out there taking risks. So maybe the bigger risk is not taking a risk. Let's talk a little bit a moment uh, for about, um, you talked earlier, Rob, about how innovation can come together with a client and through working with a client, you come up with great innovative ideas. How, do you, how does a client nurture an innovative corporate culture, if you will, and, and open that type of attitude among the rank and file all the way up to the executive offices of a, a company. I would imagine that'd be a, a difficult challenge. Yeah, it's interesting that you, that you ask. Um, we, we have a practice uh, that we call employee brand engagement, and we've got professionals that are dedicated to that uh, side of the business where we will go in with client, into client organizations and do evaluate what their culture looks like and how it is received by their employees. We've actually done segmentation studies against employee bases. Uh, and can um, segment according to how knowledgeable and how uh, well they understand the, the company, the culture, the products, etc., and how enthusiastic they are. And you can, from that, start to understand where the what the challenges are. And, and I will say, with all of the companies right now that are going through consolidations, mergers, acquisitions, divestitures, um, that becomes an incredibly important part of, of what, a, what management at a client company needs to do. Um, once we understand where the trouble spots are or how, and if it's more knowledge-based, if it's more sort of attitude-based, uh, we can develop programs and reach out to employees. And we've had some pretty good success in working with clients so that we develop programs that once executed, we start to really help employees understand why and have greater pride in why they're working for the companies they're working for. Yeah, that's interesting. I know that uh, at your firm, Strategic Insight, is a critical component of the design process. Uh, first off, how, how do you guys at uh, at, Nor at uh, Brand Union acquire strategic insight for your clients? 
Yeah, through I guess through a number of ways. We we have employees that are dedicated to that part of the process uh, for sure. But just like we say, creative is not really a department; it's a way of life here. Um, the development of insights can often come from anybody working in any department. Um, we do try to take the time. You know, a lot of times when when you're in a rush, you'll you'll cut corners, and that is one place where you really can't. So certainly, we'll we use all the same techniques that others use um, in terms of basic market research, secondary research, syndicated research, and things that are out there. We do have a number of proprietary techniques that we use to synthesize all of the learnings and to try to figure it out. Um, And I will say one of the things that we're proud of is we do not feel that we have to own it all ourselves. We, We have affiliations with uh, professors from Harvard Business School with MIT, uh, my alma mater, uh, where we are reaching out to academia, we're reaching out to specialists. We we have we will comprise panels of experts and get anthropologists and sociologists in, uh, industry experts. Um, we there's no pride of ownership. We're, we are absolutely out there scrambling, trying to get the best information we possibly can in every instance possible. You know, I think that's so smart. Today, uh, many companies want to—they con- want to sell some kind of proprietary method of gaining consumer insight. But the truth is, is that I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all in that area. I'm going to give you a chance to to maybe get a raise, or uh, you can't get a promotion at this point unless you take over your chairman's job. But uh, I think we're all aware of the problems banks have uh, been facing lately. Among other things, they're rapidly losing credibility and consumer trust. And on your site, your worldwide chairman, uh, Terry Tyrell, has written a very interesting article called Saving the Banks. Share with us your thoughts, Rob, if you would, on how the banking industry can reestablish their credibility, especially in light of what they've just gone through. And maybe there's something, all of our listeners that are, be it on the agency side, branding side, or maybe on the client marketer side, can learn from the banking industry and what they're facing today. Yeah. You know, I guess there are a couple of ways of looking at it. We we do a lot of work in the financial services industry, and so and it's one that is just personally near and dear to my heart. Um, because I think, as we had talked earlier, it, it, financial services is a very complex industry. It is not easy uh, for, for banks or financial institutions to market themselves, just given the complexity of different types of target audiences they have, the complexity of the products, uh, how they're distributed, um, et cetera, highly competitive environment, uh, generally speaking. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, and there, there is all sorts of market research out there, as you say, where, where consumers in particular have become more skeptical of banks. Um, I do think that um, there is, from a brand management point of view, a critical need to make sure that the brand that you're creating and communicating is genuine and is true to the the values uh, with which you're running your company. And I think in the spirit of experimentation that a lot of times at banks and in other industries as well, you see people try to diverge from that or abandon those things to be a little cooler or hipper or different or whatever, and it doesn't pay off. I think it really is important that you understand your roots um, and that you're very true to them in terms of how you communicate. Um, certainly, when you, if you have gone through an event that has created a lot of negative press, 
um, there are rules of thumb there that suggest that you need to be open and honest. If you've made a mistake, you need to apologize. You need to explain why it's happened. You need to explain what you're doing to make sure it never happens again. Um, and, you know, uh, the notion of just um, thinking about in terms of basic human relationships and how you would want to be treated or what you would want to hear, I think, apply very much at the brand level. Very good. And a great way to wrap up uh, this segment and our interview. Rob, it's been a pleasure. Uh, do go to thebrandunion.com to find out more. But Rob Scalia, Chief Executive Officer of the Brand Union North America, it's, uh, it's been fun having you here. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it a lot myself. Thanks again to Rob Scalia at the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, inviting you back next week uh, for another great show. The Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com, the advertising show. It's a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we will talk to you again next week. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.